on family dysfunction, blizzards, and Fitbits. BG. Saturday, December 17th, 2022. I want my mommy. Do you think she'll come today? She said she might. I won't know until she shows up, because I have locked myself in my happiness palace and raised all the drawbridges. I'm all alone. Of course Mistress didn't come. What the heck? Just because we're getting a tiny bit of snow and, quote, rural New England would be hard to drive through. Outrageous. The snow has been piling up since yesterday morning. I think we've had five inches, but on my terrace it looks like a foot. Anyone who is hoping for a white week before Christmas is getting their wish. Our weekend visit is cursed. This is literally the third time we've had to cancel Mistress coming to Montreal. First, I got COVID. When that happened, we said we'd look at August. Only she got busy, so we said October. Only that didn't work either because Mistress is the definition of overextended. Finally, we firmed it up for a weekend in November. Early in November, she called me up and was like, I'm so looking forward to seeing you this Friday. I was like, um, mistress? You mean next weekend, right? Mistress, um, I, oh, fuck, 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 Lorelai, I wrote the dates wrong. Is there any way I can come this weekend instead? Me. I mean, you can, but my mom is visiting this weekend. It might not exactly be the girls' weekend we had hoped for. In the end, we agreed that it really didn't make sense for her to come when my mom would be here, so we had postponed it until this weekend. And now this. The first snow of the winter arrived and then left as quickly as it came back in November. The weather warmed and the streets stayed bare up until literally yesterday when suddenly, the very same weekend Mistress is supposed to visit, a blizzard hits the northeast. Bah humbug. Hanukkah starts on Monday. Hanukkah spelled with a C-H. You can also spell it Hanukkah with an H and two Ks, but I like doing the one that forces you to pronounce the first syllable correctly, like you're clearing your throat. Hanukkah, with extra emphasis on the ha. Everyone's been wishing me a Merry Christmas, though. Well, most of the time they say Happy Holidays, but every now and then someone's like, it's just the two of us, so I don't have to be politically correct. Merry Christmas. When that happens, I like to respond, no, oh, thank you. I'm actually Jewish, and our holiday is coming up before yours. I don't say that, really. I did tell the bank lady I was Jewish, though, and she thanked me for about a minute that I had reminded her that Hanukkah existed, telling me about her many Jewish friends and acquaintances, stumbling and tripping over her words. You could tell she was mortified. Oh, people. I do love that our Festival of Lights is about to start. It's kind of perfect timing. The world has been so dark recently. My papa is reading this blog. I was dying to find out if he'd read it because for like days he hadn't told me anything. The suspense was killing me, so finally I called him and I was like, Me. Well? Papa. Well what? Me. Have you read my blog? Papa. Oh, sweetie, I must confess, it's been a while. Me. A while? But I only gave you the link a couple weeks ago. Papa. Link? Me. Wait a second, have you even seen it? The new blog, not the old one? The one I told you was full of secrets so you could only read it if you promised to love me afterward? That blog. Have you started reading it? Papa, you sent me a link. So that was a huge relief, actually, because it meant Papa hadn't mentioned it not because I'd betrayed the family forever, but because he hadn't seen my signal text, so he hadn't read, even read anything yet. Signal text? I hate signal text, my father groaned. Sweetie, I'm so sorry. I must have missed it or seen it and forgot it or... It's totally fine, I said. 
Really, it was. I just wanted to know what you thought, that's all. And make sure he still loved me. Papa, still feeling clearly very guilty. I may not have read your blog, but I've been taking very good care of Rue. I gave him the link, and he started reading that night. The next morning, I woke up to an email in my inbox. Sweet thing, this is wonderful, like a stream of consciousness, beautifully written and engaging. I love it. Oh, Papa, that's what I was hoping you'd say. He read a bunch of them, and I was surprised he didn't immediately barrage my inbox with helpful punctuation mistake comments. Instead, a few days into it, he wrote to say he'd finally figured out who M.M. and B.G. were. At first I didn't think there really were two narrators, he wrote. It didn't sound like the voices were separate enough. Then I went back and reread them and realized they were. It's just that you don't hear much from B.G. at the beginning. Maybe you could go back and strengthen her voice so it's clearer for the reader? Add in a few p posts from Baby Girl? Uh-oh. What happens when he meets S.B.B.? He's right is the problem. The voices aren't clearly distinguishable. The problem is I don't always know who's speaking. The narrator voice reflects this confusion, and sometimes even Mommy is surprised when we get to the end of a blog and it turns out it was written by Baby Girl. Baby Girl, really? Yes, I say confidently, even though I'm not actually sure. I mean, it's always her and it's never her, right? I explained to my papa that the thing about this blog is that the story is unfolding real-time. That's what makes it so alive, I think. I tried to write it in book form last year. I was happy with what I'd written, but also lost. Something didn't feel right. I sent the manuscript to Papa to read. He wrote back, Don't tell the entire story in the first paragraph. Leave your reader guessing. I was like, I didn't tell the entire story. I just told one story out of a billion. But now I see he was right. I have to tell my story from wherever it is right this second. The next day I will tell it from a slightly different angle, and so on. Day after day, I'll weave snapshots of my life, slowly interconnecting them with other snapshots in evolving sequences of now. As I write, I'm present, but linked ever more strongly to my past and my future. It's a writing mindfulness trick or something, and as I dive ever deeper, clarity emerges. I understand myself better. I start to hear my voice. But it also means I can't just go back to July and change things. I mean, I'll edit here or there when I've made a grammatical mistake or clearly misspoken. But I can't just go back and add in an extra blog to give Baby Girl more airtime. I think the truth is, all my selves are still working to find their voice. Papa still hasn't gotten to the blog I wrote about him, I don't think. The Rue blog. I'm kind of nervous for that one, because I said some nice things about him, but I also called him sedentary and may have painted him in a slightly curmudgeonly light. I'm pretty sure he's going to be like, I'm wounded. I do too exercise. I've been using the Fitbit your brothers and you bought me since last summer. I walk at least once a day. The Fitbit was an expensive Father's Day present suggested by my younger brother Sam, a.k.a. most likely to suggest expensive presents, who thought that if we bought Dad a toy, he might use it to start exercising more. It would be, more effect it would be effective, we reasoned, because either the toy would help motivate him or the guilt would. Either way, he'd win because he started. He would start moving. My brothers and I split the cost of the Fitbit evenly. My sister told my mom that the concept was completely ridiculous and bought him a plant instead. It seemed like he had thanked every single one of my brothers, but not a word to me. I felt a bit petty for wanting to be thanked. After all, you're supposed to give a gift for gift-giving's sake. But also, I had contributed and he didn't seem to know, and whenever he doesn't feel appreciated, the world does hear about it. So I finally said something about a month later. I was like, um, Papa, you know I contributed to that present, right? Papa. I did thank you, didn't I? I'm sure I did. I thanked everyone on our signal thread. Me. 
Papa, I haven't been on that signal thread in months. Remember? I quit. I quit the signal thread right after Passover, when Mindy's decades-long stranglehold on the family narrative was finally challenged by my brothers. For years, Mindy sent public blasts of her political opinions. The emails would start with cute anecdotes, to be followed by 10 or 12 of the densest articles you could possibly find, along with paragraphs of her latest life hacks, politics, and most importantly, her opinions, capital O, which were all backed up by links to yet more articles. Somehow you felt you couldn't object to her opinions if you hadn't read the articles, capital A, and there were lots and lots of articles. For years, every chance she got, she would say what she thought, but if anyone ever brought up a differing point of view, her feelings would get hurt. She would always get to choose the topic of the conversation, and we had to tiptoe around agreeing lest we accidentally trigger an hour-long lecture on why these potatoes aren't the right potatoes to buy, or whatever. Shit hit the fan in the spring when she sent an email out recommending an article that said some pretty rude things about Joseph's political party, and more importantly, the people who belonged to that party. Joseph was offended by what the article essentially said about him. Mindy was like, well, it's not my fault if you identify with the people the article is talking about. And so the swords came out. Joseph said he was hurt. Mindy was basically like, well, I'm sorry if that's the way you decided to feel. She also said that everyone says mean things about groups of people she belongs to, which is not untrue. Isaac, bless his heart, nominated me to mediate a family discussion. It was not very effective. That's when Joseph and my brothers started intentionally poking political hackles until the entire text thread became a passive-aggressive war. It's also when my sister wrote a letter to her entire friends group talking about her family and the political structure having completely abandoned her. Per the age-old apple-falling-from-the-tree analogy, she remarked that she had fallen close, but the tree had moved. And now it was my mom's turn for her feelings to get hurt. Then, Mindy actually yelled at my mother during a visit because my 75-year-old mom requested that she wear a mask when going into the store with her, and that triggered outrage. <sighs> Even on the off chance that masks don't work, even allowing for that possibility, who the hell cares? My mom is in the highest risk categories. What she requests goes. At worst, you'll have done something annoying and ineffective to make her feel safer. At best, you'll have actually helped. Mindy then harangued our mother for not marching in her demonstrations. I can't. I can't even. I just can't. I asked for controversial topics to be discussed in a separate family thread, and that worked for a while until it didn't. There came a point when my requests for everyone to stop talking about politics were just roundly ignored, all except by Mindy, who suddenly decided she didn't want to talk politics, even though she was always the one bringing it up. My brother's argument for why it was vitally important that we keep stirring the hornet's nest was, one, everything ends up being politics one way or another, and two, it affects all of our lives, so why should somebody bully away our free speech? Okay, fine. Fair enough. If this conversation is important, you can have it. You can keep your free speech, and you can keep talking about inflammatory topics, arguing in circles without actually solving anything and hurting each other instead. You can do it for as long as you want. Without me. And that's how I quit the goddamn signal thread. Papa. Oh, sweet thing, I'm very sorry. I thought I had thanked you, but apparently I hadn't. Thank you. Thank you for the Fitbit. I love the Fitbit. I mean, it's not as beautiful as the watch I used to wear, and it doesn't seem to be 100% accurate, but it is very helpful. Thank you. For the next five months, every time my father called, he thanked me for the Fitbit. It's 4.40 p.m. now. If Mommy is going to come, it'll be soon. I think. I don't actually know. If she had to work late, she might come later. I wonder when her cutoff time would be, 
or if she already knows she can't come, with me over here stubbornly persisting to dream by keeping my cell phone turned off. I hope she comes. I shave my legs and put on lacy panties just in case. I'm Mommy's fairy princess. I asked her when our collaring is going to be, and she said, when you're ready. And I said I was definitely ready, 100% for sure, and she said, how about first you stop thinking that I'll walk out the door if you somehow make a mistake? Because Mommy will definitely leave if I'm not 100% perfect, I giggled, because I knew it wasn't true, but it still felt true. Nonsense, said Mommy. It's fine. We'll be patient. Once you know you can trust me, you'll be ready. What about you trusting me, I asked. I already do, silly, she said, and kissed me on the nose. Last night I closed my eyes and asked the universe if I should be Mommy's submissive. The unanimous answer was absolutely. I brought up the thing about trust. The universe reminded me I'm still learning to trust myself. Apparently I'm supposed to own my power. Then I can know for sure when I want to give it away, if ever, and to whom. It's going to be to Mommy, I already know that part. Now I just need to own it. I need to own myself so I can give myself away. It's not really giving myself away, though. Not like last time, when I just handed complete control of my everything to a man whose only talent was to have accidentally stumbled upon the key to my Pandora's box. Mommy will have the key to Pandora, it's true. But she'll deserve it. Most importantly, she'll know what to do with it. She won't just grab the key, hold it up, go, look, a key to a box, and then open the box and sit back while all hell breaks loose. I'll entrust Mommy with the key to my self-actualization because I'm a better person under her guidance. Hers is a powerful sort of mentorship. She's my teacher and my protector. I can trust her to advise me. I can trust her to tell me when we've reached a limit. I can trust her to always hold my best interests at heart. She says she'll never put me into a bind she hasn't taught me how to get out of. She says ours will be a foundation of trust, of balance, of ritual and magic. The fairy godmother to my fairy princess will create a fantasy universe together. I sure hope Mommy comes to visit tonight. Love, baby girl. P.S. By the way, about the signal thread. In May, a month after quitting, I sent my family a kind of epic letter, which I think I'll publish here, even though in rereading it, it occurs to me that I'm a bitchy little human just like everybody else, which is kind of embarrassing. Don't judge me too hard when you read it, please. We all get crazy when it comes to family. Anyway, in July, Isaac added me back into the signal thread without my consent, apparently in order to share pictures from his cross-country trip. I told him that I loved him and wanted to see his pictures, but I did not want to be in the thread. He was appropriately apologetic. There's just one thread now, and it's mostly baby pictures and barely any politics, and everyone's behaving. Have you read my letter yet? I asked. Um, I started it. Finish it, and I'll stay in the thread if everybody behaves. So far, I'm still on the thread. I keep it muted, but I check it pretty frequently for the jokes and the baby pictures. So far, everyone is behaving, and Isaac read my letter.